Coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, the team makes another signing. This time it's another wide receiver to add to the mix. Plus, I have an update if the Raiders have made a phone call to free agent cornerback James Bradbury. And we'll take a look at the schedule before it's released. We'll talk about the games that I'm most intrigued by. Your calls and texts will close out the show. It's all coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast for Thursday, May 12th, 2022. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Just win. Your win is a raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. And welcome here, Raider Nation, to another edition of the Locked On Raiders Podcast. Thank you so much for making the show your first listen each and every day. Remember, you can find Locked On Raiders Podcast free and available on all platforms. And, man, I'll tell you, we're trucking through another year. We're trucking through another month. Can you believe that it's already mid-May? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I remember when the calendar moved over to January 1, and now it's mid-May. Before you know it, the Raiders will be back in training camp, then they'll be in preseason, then it'll be the regular season, and then we'll be talking about, are they making a run to the playoffs? What's going on? I mean, it's just like this year just flies by. There's so much going on. And the NFL, I got to give them a lot of credit. I got to tip their cap. They keep it all the way consistent. They keep it all this way busy and intriguing all year long. It used to be just during the regular season and maybe free agency in the draft, but man, they found a way to create a monster all year long. Not mad at that. Got plenty of news and notes to get to here in segment number one, so let's go ahead and jump right into it. And the Raiders, they made another signing on Wednesday. They signed a wide receiver, former Jaguar and Jet wide receiver Keelan Cole. He signed a one-year deal with the Raiders. He's been in the league since 2017. He's got a total of 187 career catches, 2,691 yards, 13 touchdowns. He was with the Jags and the Jets. Last year, he was with the Jets. He played in 15 games, only had 28 catches, 449 yards, and one touchdown. But the one note that I find very interesting from Rich Samini, who covers the Jets like a glove for ESPN, he put out a tweet saying, wide receiver Keelan Cole played more offensive snaps than any receiver on the Jets last season. And you know why that's intriguing? Because of the numbers that I just gave you. Think about this. He played more offensive snaps than any receiver on the team, and he had a total of 28 catches and 449 yards and one touchdowns. You know what that says to me? That the Jets stunk. They were a terrible terrible team in 2021 if the if the wide receiver that played the most snaps only had 28 catches that's letting you know that they're not getting a whole lot done offensively and that's not shot at Keelan Cole that's a shot at the Jets the Jets are just really bad but Keelan Cole is actually a pretty good wide receiver so you want to talk about the depth right now at the wide receiver position you know there's been a lot of conversations floating around Twitter about bringing Nelly Aguilar back and I've been very adamant that I don't think the team needs him uh, actually I was surprised that he was able to put the performance that he was in the one year that he was with the Raiders but think about all the players all the wide receivers that the Raiders currently have on the roster. And I know all of them aren't going to make the team. Hell, Keelan Cole's going to have to really work his tail off to make the squad. But let me just go ahead and run down the wide receivers on the roster right now. Devontae Adams, he's wide receiver number one. You know he's in there. Hunter Renfro, wide receiver number two. He's in there. Brian Edwards, Mac Hollins, Tyron Johnson, Demarcus Robinson, Dylan Stoner, DJ Turner, Justin Hall, who is an undrafted free agent, Trey Turner, undrafted free agent, and now Keelan Cole. Look at all those wide receivers. You want to talk about having 
uh, arsenal. You want to talk about having guys that can go out there and get it done. Again, I mentioned Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro. Those dudes, they're locked in. You know that they're going to be there. Brian Edwards, I think even though he was a third-round draft pick just a couple years ago, he's got his work cut out for him. Mac Hollins, I know that he can stretch the field, and he can be a special teams guy, so he'll probably find a way to get on the squad. Tyron Johnson, he's got his work cut out for him. Demarcus Robinson saw what he was able to do in a limited uh, capacity with the Chiefs. He could probably make the team. Dylan Stoner, probably not. DJ Turner, who knows? Justin Hall, eh, you know, he's an undrafted free agent. But Trey Turner, that's an interesting one. They gave him a nice amount of money as far as the undrafted free agency goes. So he might be able to make the squad, if not the practice squad. And remember, some of these guys can make the practice squad as well. But they've got a plethora of wide receivers right now. And adding Keelan Cole to the mix is not a bad thing. He's a guy that, uh, matter of fact, last year averaged about 16 yards per catch. But he just didn't have very many catches. Again, 28 catches, 449 yards, and only one touchdown. So uh, he's a reliable guy. And I'll tell you, man, whatever the Raiders are doing, they're putting together a pretty stinking good arsenal as far as the wide receivers go, as far as the offensive weapons are around Derek Carr. Uh, they got to get that offensive line shored up. The running back room, you know there's a ton of those running backs, so more weapons for, for the Raiders. But if they don't get that offensive line, then they're going to be right there in trouble. But another addition to the team with wide receiver Keelan Cole. Now, I wanted to give another update on cornerback James Bradbury. He's a free agent. He's a guy that I've been pounding the table thinking that the Raiders need to go out and make a move for. And I'll tell you right now, I'm probably going to update the situation and status with James Bradbury just about every single day until he signs with somebody. If it's the Raiders, great. If it's some other team, that's fine too. But I'm going to continue to update this story until it's no longer a story. And anytime there's any new information, I'm definitely going to bring it to the table. So Eddie Brasili from SiriusXM, he's an executive producer on there. He was actually on the morning tailgate on Radio Nation Radio 920 with Clay Baker and Heidi Fang on Wednesday, and he dropped this little nugget. Remember, he's in New York. James Bradbury played for the Giants, so Eddie actually has a relationship with him. So as I was listening to this interview, this is what he said about the Raiders reaching out to James Bradbury. Interesting stuff right here. Check it out. So I was texting a little bit with Bradbury uh, since his release with the Giants. Uh, the Raiders have reached out. They've, they've reached out to his camp. He's going to take it slow, guys. He's gonna. It's kind of a weird time. His, his wording to me was it's kind of a weird time post-draft. You know, post, you know, right before June 1, post free agency. So I don't think he's going to be in a rush to sign anywhere, to be honest. I don't think it's going to be somewhere unless someone comes and blows away, you know, blows him away with a multi year deal. Guys, the thing about James Bradbury is he did not play poorly for the Giants last year. He had four interceptions. He led them, he's top guys and tackles on the defense out there. The Giants just gave him a really bad contract. They gave him a bad contract for the team. So they couldn't support that. They're moving in a different direction with a new GM. So wants to bring in his own guys. And Bradbury, it wasn't like a, a case of, you know, the Raiders years and years ago giving D'Angelo Hall a ton of money, and he just didn't play well. James Bradbury played well. It's just the contract was not, it was not something the Giants could keep on the books. So this is a premier corner. I wouldn't call him a one. He's not, you know, a, a total but This is a top corner in the National Football League that played for Patrick Ryan last year. That's on the open market. The Raiders would be silly not to go out there and at least make contact. Now, right. It was the same thing with the Honey Badger. You know, they, they, they put feelers out there. They see, you know, maybe bring him in for a visit, maybe not. I expect Bradbury probably come in for a visit at some point. But if the money, the money gets too crazy, guys, the Raiders are probably going to go out and try to, you know, see what else is out there in the corner market. Now, we had the surgery for Trayvon Mullen. We don't know what that's going to entail. He's kind of proven that he hasn't been able to stay on the field. So, cornerback to me is still a need. If you can get James Bradbury on a deal that's, you know, I'm not going to say team-friendly. He's not going to take something that's cheap. He'll probably want a multi-year deal. But if it's post June one, the Raiders free up a little more salary cap and move some stuff around with roster bonuses. It it, it, it would make this team so much better to have a, a proven corner like that 
and James Bradbury that's familiar with Patrick Graham's system to come in. So I don't think anything's going to happen over the next, you know, 10 days or so. I think Bradbury's going to take his time a little bit and, and kind of see what's out there on the open market. But I expect the Raiders to be all in on James Bradbury, especially as we get closer to that June 1st. So there he is right there. That was Eddie Brasili from Sirius XM Radio. He was on Raider Nation Radio 920 on Wednesday talking about James Bradbury and said, I texted with him. He said the Raiders have reached out, but he's not in a hurry to sign. And I'll tell you right now, that's a great sign for the silver and black. If he's not in a hurry to sign, that's perfect. They get a whole lot of money come June 1st, and that's when they can go out and make a move for him. If he's trying to sign right now, he's not going to sign with the Raiders. If he waits till post-June 1st, gut feeling, as I said it multiple times, he signs with the Silver and Black. So it's looking good as far as I'm concerned. I love the fact that Eddie had a a relationship with him and was able to reach out to him. And, you know, he's going to kind of take it day by day and kind of play it out and see how it all shakes out. But I definitely believe that the Raiders are firmly, you know, in in position to try to land him. Not saying that they're going to get him, but they are in a good position to try to land them. So uh, that's some good news right there as far as I'm concerned because I do believe the Raiders need that veteran cornerback to be added into the mix. A couple more quick nuggets for you here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. Segment number one, news and notes. Nate Peterman, he has signed... No, not with the Raiders. He is signed with the Chicago Bears, a one-year deal in Chicago. So now he's in the quarterback room with Trevor Simeon, Justin Fields, and then there's Nate Peterman. So he's no longer a concern of the Las Vegas Raiders. Now he's in Chi-Town. So the gift that keeps on giving, well, he's in Chicago. So there's that. And as we all know, and this is my final little note, the NFL schedule gets released this afternoon. Well, this evening, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, the first home game of each team will be announced around 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I'll be at the Raiders facility actually doing a schedule release show and doing my radio show from there. So uh, there's going to be a whole lot going into it. But you can look for that first home game to be announced around 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I will be on the radio at that point talking about it. The Raiders right now, they're seventh in the league or tied for seventh in the league as far as strength of schedule goes. Uh, They have uh, 152, 136, and one uh, record as far as the, the opponents that they're going to be playing this season, which is 528 winning percentage is the seventh hardest. And the first hardest, the hardest schedule in the league is uh, owned by the Rams at 567. So the Raiders are at 528 percentage and the Rams are at 567. So they're not that far away from the top spot. But again, I mean, you look at the strength of schedule and you realize that was last year. That was the teams kind of combined and that's who they are. A lot of these teams that were really good last season might not be really good this season. And teams that were really bad last season might turn around and be really good this season so uh, it's really hard to go off of strength of schedule but right now currently they're tied for seventh as far as that goes and that's all I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast coming up segment number two talking about the schedule I'm going to take a look at the teams obviously I don't know the schedule yet I don't know how it's going to shake out but I'm going to tell you the games that I think are the most intriguing and I'll tell you why. That's all coming up in segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Before I get to that, though, I do want to tell you about rockauto.com. Been talking about rockauto.com for a very long time. And as you know, they're a family business. Been serving auto part customers online for over 20 years. And that's one thing that I love. I love the fact that they've been around so long. And again, they're a family business because who doesn't want to support a family business? That's very similar to the Raiders back in the day, right? They were uh, operated like a mom and pop shop and a, and a family business. And that's one of the reasons why we love the silver and black. But rockauto.com, they do a great job of saving you money. You can go to a chain store, you can go to a car dealership, and you'll spend a lot of money. But at rockauto.com, you won't. You'll, sp- you'll save 30%. You'll save 50%. You'll save even more than that. 
on any of the parts that you need, and they're just the same parts that you're going to get at that car dealership or that chain store, but you're going to get them at rockauto.com and save your wallet a whole lot of stress. <laughs> right now, go to the website, rockauto.com, punch in the parts that you need for your car or, or truck or SUV or whatever the case may be. It'll pop up. You buy it. It'll come straight to your house. You're good to go. You never have to leave the comforts of your own home. The only thing I ask you to do, there's a box while you're there that says, how'd you hear about us? You just write Locked On Raiders Podcast. And they know I sent you, and I'm doing my job. Again, the website is rockauto.com. Check out all the parts available for your car or truck. They got a great selection, great low prices. All the parts your car is ever going to need is at one spot rockauto.com your locked on raiders your daily podcast on the las vegas raiders part of the locked on podcast network your team every day all right raider nation here we go segment number two of today's locked on raiders podcast time to take an early look at the schedule and the reason i'm doing this is because later on this afternoon 5 p.m pacific standard time to be exact exact is when the schedule is going to be fully released we've had the slow drip process we found out on the fourth when the international games are going to be played who was going to be playing in it we started finding out games on the ninth which was monday we found out a game or two every single day leading up today and even at three o'clock pacific Standard Time today, we're going to find out the home game, the first home game of every team in the league. I've been very adamant when I say I don't need this slow drip process. I could wait till five o'clock and get everything all at the same time and be able to break down the schedule. But here we are. We kind of already have an idea about a few games, but we don't know everything. And so I'm looking at the Raiders schedule and I know the opponents. I know that there's a lot of leaks out there. I have a buddy that's been hitting me up from Texas. It's like, oh, oh, the Titans are playing the Raiders in Tennessee on Christmas. And I got another buddy saying, oh, the Raiders are opening up the season on Monday Night Football against the Patriots. Another person is telling me that the 49ers are going to – I mean – everybody's got something. The Denver Broncos, everyone swears that the Denver Broncos are coming to Allegiant Stadium to start the season off. I don't know. We'll find out today. But – I can look at the games and say, okay, these are the games I'm looking forward to the most and I'm very intrigued by, and I'll tell you why. So let's go ahead and break those down. Let's start with the home games. They're all, the Raiders only have eight this year at Allegiant Stadium. If you remember last year, the first year that there were 17 games, they had nine home games. This year, they'll have nine away games. So let's go ahead and start with the home games, the games being played at Allegiant Stadium, and we know off top, the Broncos for a game, the Chiefs for a game, the Chargers for a game. Fine. But they also have the Houston Texans, they have the Indianapolis Colts, the Arizona Cardinals, the 49ers, and the Patriots. So out of those five teams that are not regulars, you know, a team, two teams representing the NFC West, you got a couple teams representing the AFC South, and then you got the New England Patriots in the NFC, or in the AFC East, excuse me. So I'm looking at some of these games that are intriguing to me, and I really see two that excite me about the home games. The San Francisco 49ers repping the NFC West. Of course, that's a big one right there just because you want to go back to the old battle of the Bay, right? The Raiders never want to lose to the 49ers. It doesn't matter if it's a preseason game. It doesn't matter if it's a charity basketball game. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's the 49ers and Raiders, that's a big deal. So that being at Allegiant Stadium is going to be fantastic. Cannot wait to find out when that game was. Hell, I'd be excited if that game was the first game of the season. Monday Night Football, that'd be great. All eyes on Allegiant Stadium, Niners, and Raiders. That would be right up my alley. That's the game when I was asked, hey, what kind of mock draft or mock schedule would you put 
together, that's the one I put at the top. If I'm putting together a schedule, I think the 49ers and Raiders would be fantastic to open up the season. You want to talk about some fireworks? Man, that would get that would get everything rolling for me. Now, I'm not saying that that's what the game's going to be. That would be my preference. So that's the number one game. That's the home game that I'm most excited about. The number two game, I mean, it has to be the Patriots, right? It has to be. With all the interaction, with all the mixing and matching, you got Josh McDaniels, you got Dave Ziegler. Both of those guys come over from the Patriots. There's multiple players that come over from the Patriots. I mean, there's just a lot of New England now in Las Vegas. So that's got to be the second game that you're so excited about or you're fired up about those uh, that Patriot game just because Belichick, Josh McDaniels, those two squaring up against each other. How could you not get excited for that? So out of all the home games, yeah, I think the Cardinals will be fun going up against Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, you know, uh, Marquise Brown. That's fine, whatever. But it's not, it's not one of those that's like, oh, my gosh, it's going to be such a – killer game just like last season remember the opening game of the home schedule was what Baltimore Ravens on Monday Night Football that was fantastic I thought that that was great. You know, Baltimore is one of those teams. Lamar Jackson is a fantastic player. Plus, my homeboy, Corey, my best man at my wedding, my best friend. Uh, he's a big Baltimore Raven fan, so to be able to talk trash to him was great. But that the Cardinals don't do that for me. And the Colts, eh, not so much. And I know Gus Bradley's there now. And I know that Casey, not Casey Hayward, and Unique Ngakwe is there. Of course, he's been talking about he's going to show the Raiders why uh, they made a mistake by moving on from him. That's fine, but it's the Colts. They don't. That doesn't do a whole lot for me. And the Texans, well, they stink. They just stink. You know what I mean? They don't have Deshaun Watson. They don't have DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Lovey Smith, I do respect him as a head coach. We'll see how he shakes things out and how he does, but... For the most part, the Texans don't do anything for me. So the two home games that really get me fired up that aren't the regulars, aren't the division opponents, the Broncos, Chiefs, or Chargers, are the 49ers and the Patriots, with the 49ers being the number one team. Now, the away games, there's nine. Of course, you've got the Broncos, the Chiefs, and the Chargers. When the schedule comes out, I'll be looking to see when the Raiders play Kansas City on the road and play Denver on the road. Those are two cold games. I'll be paying attention to that. Want to see when they are going to be. If they're going to be late in the season, it's going to be a very cold game. If it's going to be early in the season, not so much. So we'll see. But those are just, you know, those are the those are the regular games that that you know that the Raiders are going to play the Broncos, the Chiefs, and the Chargers. As far as the other games that they're going to play on the road, Jacksonville Jaguars, the Tennessee Titans, the Rams, the Seahawks, the Steelers, and the Saints. So if I'm looking at that, you know, I'm pretty intrigued by the Tennessee Titans. The Tennessee Titans were a really good team last year. Um, you know, they didn't make it to how far they thought they were going to go. Uh, Derrick Henry came back, but Ryan Tannehill threw them out of the playoffs. So Tennessee kind of intrigues me, but it doesn't really, it doesn't push me over the edge. You know, of course, Derrick Henry, I think, is a really good running back. Uh, matter of fact, I think the Raiders should have drafted him instead of Jihad Ward, but that's a whole other conversation. So they're cool. Seattle, they're cool, but they don't have Russell Wilson anymore. The Rams, of course, we know they're the defending Super Bowl champions, so you got to give them a little bit of love. But I'll, I'll say, man, I'm going to go to the Steelers and the Saints. The Steelers, I remember being in Pittsburgh last season on the road, watching the Raiders win that game and see Derek Carr hit Henry Ruggs late in the game and basically win that one. And I remember the Pittsburgh fans, the way they were pouring out of that stadium, how pissed off and angry they were. 
I'd love to see a repeat performance of that. And not to mention, you know, Pittsburgh, of course, is that historical organization. You know, they got all the, the rings, all the championships. Uh, you know, there's a lot of Steeler fans that, that try to claim, what they say, Steeler Nation. I always tell you that that doesn't even exist. That's not a real thing. But they try to say that. So I think that that's a fun game, kind of a throwback game right there, throwback style, Pittsburgh and the Raiders. So I can, I can definitely get down with that, especially on the road. That's another game that, depending on when it's played, could be a really cold game as well. That's played late in the season. That could be a cold one, so you got to watch out for that. But then the New Orleans Saints on the road, you're playing in New Orleans? How could you go wrong with New Orleans? New Orleans is one of my favorite cities in the world. (laughs) I mean, straight up, it's one of my favorite cities. And no joke, Raider Nation, I've been to New Orleans, what, twice? I think I've been to New Orleans twice. But I still, I love New Orleans. It's, it's, again, it's, it's one of my favorite places to go. And I thought in 2020, I thought that that was going to be the year that I was a winner. Uh, Baylor, they had, they had just secured the Sugar Bowl. They were going to go to New Orleans and play Georgia. And they did. And they, got, they just got destroyed. But they were playing on New Year's. So I had to go for work. And I say that in air quotes. I had to go to New Orleans for New Year's to cover Baylor football. I mean, you, you want to talk about a convenient location and a convenient job uh, opportunity, right? I'm in New Orleans hanging out for three, four, five days. I think we were there about five days, and I owned Bourbon Street. I owned it, literally owned it. Like, Bourbon Street had no answer for me while we were there. I, I absolutely dominated that street. It had, nothing, it had nothing on me. I'll go ahead and claim that right now. So that was a, that's a fun city to go to. I've told the wife many times that we've got to go there. She'd have a great time. You go up and down Bourbon Street for anyone who's never been there. You can grab a drink. You can go in, listen to some music. You know, there's, there's dancing and partying on one spot. Then you walk out. There's dancing and partying on another spot. And then you get to people watch. It's like being in Vegas. You get to people watch, but it's a little bit cheaper. Bourbon Street's a little bit dirtier. <laughs> and that's no disrespect to New Orleans, but it is. At the end of the day, at the end of the night, and usually it's early in the morning when they're cleaning up Bourbon Street, you're like, man, I've been walking up and down this street. Man, this place stinks. This place has got all kind of, man, there were so many guys that I worked with, uh, TV stations and radio guys that I worked with that were all in New Orleans that I don't, I don't even know how they made it out of New Orleans. They were in such bad shape. But for some reason, I won New Orleans that, uh, that year. But then I thought I was going to win the whole year because the Super Bowl was being played in Miami. So I was like, man, I'm going to go from New Orleans to the Super Bowl in Miami, and then the draft's going to be in Las Vegas. You want to talk about three great locations, New Orleans, Miami, and, and, and Las Vegas. Well, then the pandemic hit. I did go to Miami, but I got tragically sick, so I didn't get to go out and have a good time. I just basically went there and barely survived and barely hung on myself to cover the Super Bowl, and then we never made it to Las Vegas because, well, the pandemic, and it took me till about three days before the draft actually started before I even canceled my my flight to Vegas. I kept believing that, oh, no, they're going to open it back up, and we're all going to you know meet in Vegas, and we're all going to see the draft. No. No, no, we didn't. So my year that I thought was going to be fantastic was really New Orleans, and that was it. (laughs) And that was literally it. But the Raiders are going back to New Orleans. Uh, I mean, you you get Raider fans and you get Saints fans, football season, Bourbon Street, partying. I mean, you really cannot go wrong. That's going to be one of those fantastic destinations. I remember when the Saints went to Las Vegas to open up Allegiant Stadium and play that Monday night football game that the Raiders uh, came back and won. In the second half, they were able to, to bounce back and win that game against Drew Brees and company. And so that was a fun game, but there was no fans in Allegiant Stadium, remember? Because that was the pandemic. So can you imagine how lathered up Saints and Raider fans are going to be for that game? So those are the two games I look at 
away games that I think are going to be fantastic. The Steelers and the Saints, those are the two I'm looking forward to the most. And then the home games I'm looking forward to the most are the Niners and the Patriots. So Raider Nation, would love to hear from you. By the time we talk tomorrow, obviously we'll know the schedule. We'll know the order. You can definitely tell me what games you're looking forward to or what you think of the schedule. 707-654-4693. That's the Locked On Raiders podcast voicemail line. Speaking of that, coming up in segment three, we're going to get to your calls and texts, but we'll do that after I tell you about betonline.net. And they continue to be the number one source for all things betting they got all the latest odds the news sports developments nba playoffs i don't know if you saw the warriors get beat down steph curry talked about whoop that trick that's what they're going to do to the grizzlies well little did steph curry know that the warriors were that trick and the grizzlies gave them the business major league baseball of course betonline.net's got you covered fights everything you need they got betonline.net your continued source for all your sports wagering information live betting playoffs esports and a whole lot more all you got to do is go to the website today on your laptop or your mobile device learn about the trends and all the action betonline.net that's where the game starts your locked on raiders your daily podcast on the las vegas raiders part of the locked on podcast network your team Every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Let's go ahead and start off with a text from Rob in Riverside. A quick one. He says, this is Raider Rob from Riverside. The most underrated signing of the year is today's signing of Keelan Cole. This guy has game. That's from Rob in Riverside. And thank you so much for that text, my man. And I'll tell you what, he adds to the mix. He's a dude that can play. And I like the way that the Raiders are going out there and getting guys on these one-year deals that want to compete and want to earn a contract and want to be a part of something. They have a hell of a room when it comes to the wide receiving core. I mean, they really do. Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Brian Edwards, Mac Hollins. I think Mac Hollins could even be a player. He was the guy that made that catch against Damon Arnett when the Dolphins were in Allegiant Stadium and uh, Arden Key messed with uh, Ryan Tannehill's, uh, not Ryan Tannehill, uh, Fitzpatrick, his his face mask and damn near ripped it off. And then all of a sudden, Mac Hollins, he was the guy who got behind Damon Arnett. Now, I might have been able to get behind Damon Arnett, but that's another story. I think Mac Hollins could play. Demarcus Robinson, I think he could play. DJ Turner, Trey Turner, I think those guys could play. And, of course, Keelan Cole, he could play as well. So uh, this, the competition, I talk about it all the time when it comes to training camp, is going to be thick. There is going to be a lot of competition in a major, major way. But uh, good text, my man. Definitely appreciate hearing from you. Next up, I got Brother Marquise in the 305, repping Miami one time. He's calling in to talk about the situation with the Raiders and owner Mark Davis. He shares his thoughts, and he has a question. Here he is, Brother Marquise in the 305. Raider Nation, what's going on? This is Brother Marquise giving you a call from uh, sunny, sunny Florida, down the 305. Give you guys a call because, I, you know, I, with this whole situation with Mark Davis, I was listening to a podcast sent to me by um, by um, Most Known Unknown. Appreciate him for sending me that. Um, it was John Middlecoff, who I'm not typically a huge fan of, um, but he, you know, he's kind of a conspiracy theorist and uh, sent had some interesting points regarding the information coming out about Mark Davis and how coincidentally it was so close to the draft after the big business makers of the NFL had boots down in Vegas and didn't feel like it was a coincidence that um, this information about Davis and Ventrelli, who's been working for the 
Raiders for 20 years, all of a sudden it turned his back on them, on uh, the Davis family and the Raiders um, by turning them in. And he felt like that could not be a coincidence. And, you know, it got me thinking, you know, because I was thinking to myself, okay, maybe there is something to it, maybe there's not. But the reason I called, and Q, <laughs> based on your position with the team and things like that, if you can't answer this question, that's all right. Just hit me up privately. We'll talk about it. But my question is this. If the if the NFL did remove Mark Davis, I mean, would that be a really bad thing? You know, I mean, and I say that with all the respect in the world because I think he's done an admin an admirable job since uh, Al, Al passed and by just making the transition to getting us to Vegas and I was in that stadium not too long ago and uh, and to see that how beautiful that place was and all the work that went into that, you know, I give him lots of kudos and credit in the world. But, you know, it, it, it's, it's, if they removed him and got another owner in place with the one with more cash, more business savvy, more, um, every, you know, more everything. Would that be a, a bad thing? Uh, the, you know, uh, we, we want Mark Davis there for the most part. We had a respect for Al Davis and what he did for the Raiders and the brand he created. But at the same time, you know, at what point do we just want something there just because it is, we're used to it. We're comfortable with it. Is that what's necessarily what's best? So, like, uh, so think about it. Um, I don't hope anything bad happens to him, but if it did, is that the worst thing possible? Brother Marquise out. There he goes, Brother Marquise in the 305 Rep Miami. Hey, man, it was great to see you and the wife here in Las Vegas. Uh, great to spend some time with you guys, break a little bit of bread, and thank you for the call. I do appreciate it. And, yeah, I can answer the question for sure about removing Mark Davis from ownership. One, I don't think that's going to happen. I really don't. I mean, I, I know that the situation doesn't look great, but as I say all the time, there's three sides of the story. There's side A, side B, and then there's always the truth that lies somewhere in the middle. So until I find out some of the facts or a lot of the facts, I don't think that there's going to be any conversation about removing anybody from ownership. I think MD's done a great job getting the Raiders to Las Vegas, helping get in that stadium, getting the facility, getting them to be a state-of-the-art franchise. I think he did a great job bringing in this new regime. I think he's done a lot of really good things, and this whole Dan Ventrelli situation is really, really interesting. I mean, to find out that this dude and Dan Ventrelli, and look, I always liked him. I had no problem with him. He was always respectful towards me, and I was always respectful for him. But it's just a really weird situation, the way that everything shook out and the way that he was removed and fired on that Friday. And then all of a sudden, he comes out with that statement later on. And, you know, Mark Davis made it a very big fact to say, hey, he was never the actual president. He was always the interim president. I think that that's a big deal. That's something to pay attention to. Mark Davis did not point that out and say that for no reason. So uh, I don't know how this situation is going to shake out. I don't know if it'd be a good thing or a bad thing if he was the, the owner or not. I have no problem with him being the owner. I think he's doing some really good things and he's staying out of the football side of things. He's letting football people do football things. He's handling business side of things. Do they need to get everything tightened up and straightened up? Absolutely. But I'm not going to say that he's a guy that needs to be removed from that. Now, uh, what I do think that the Raiders need to do is put more people in position of power in the organization that don't have emotional attachments to the team. I really do think that that's something that they need to do, and that starts with the owner. I think the owner needs to do that, where he's stopping putting people just because they have Raider ties, just like he did with the front office and what he did with the coaching staff. He didn't. That wasn't a requirement, is coaching tie or Raider ties. I think that that is a good thing, but... 
Uh, yeah, it's way too early in the process to talk about removing certain, uh, you know, certain people from the organization as far as I'm concerned. But that's I mean, that's really all I got on that situation. It's nothing to be you know, secretive about or anything. It's just it kind of is what it is at this point. So thank you for that call. I do appreciate you. Next up, I got a text from San Diego Raiders. He said, what's up, Q? Here's my take on the running back room we have. I think with our stable and rotation, Jacobs will have a productive year, but the numbers might not be as big as they were. I think White will be productive, but as a rookie, I think he'll have his ups and downs, but still coming out of the season, putting up decent numbers and having made some plays. Kind of, remi- kind of reminds me of when we had McFadden, Bush, and Fargus as a three-headed monster back there. Quick question. You think with some potential changes on the O-line, our running game could improve on top of last year? Shout-out to Raider Nation in San Diego. That's from San Diego Raider. Thank you for that text, my man. I do appreciate you, and I like that. McFadden, Bush, and Fargus. That was a three-headed monster, and I really liked McFadden and Bush. And remember that Bush was that fourth-round steal because he was injured, you know, and he had torn his ACL, and so the Raiders took a chance at him. I thought that that was a, a really good – no, he didn't tear his ACL. He broke his leg. That's right, he broke his leg. But anyway, I thought it was really good, and I actually hated to see him leave when he signed that free agent deal with the Bears. I thought that McFadden and Bush was going to be a hell of a combo. Maybe that could be with Josh Jacobs and, and, uh, and, and White are this year. Or maybe not. Maybe White's a guy that only gets a handful of carries this year, and then next year he really steps into a bigger role. You know, because I think Kenyon Drake's still going to have a role. Brandon Bolden's going to have a role. I mean, there's multiple guys in that stable, and I think Josh Jacobs is going to get a boatload of the carries as well. So we'll see what happens. Uh, the offensive line, like you mentioned, definitely still needs to have some work done to it so they can improve and be a top running game, one of the top running games in the league. Thank you for that text. Next up, and we'll close things out with Raider West from the Midwest. He's calling to talk about Devontae Adams' trade, the draft, and he shares his thoughts on it. Here he is, Raider West from the Midwest. Thank you. This is Raider West from the Midwest. I just wanted to call in and uh, talk a little bit about the draft. Um, one thing that no one's really pointing out is the fact that how brilliant that Devontae Adams trade was for two reasons. The first one is, if you notice where we were going to pick, Green Bay took that pick at 21. There were no first-round receivers left, so we would have gotten no wide receiver one in that draft. Uh, the second part is, most scouts only had about 15 picks in the first round that they considered first-round picks. So at 21, we would have potentially took another project, which we've seen in the past not work out all that well. So I just wanted to call in and, and kind of point that out. Uh, thank you so much for the podcast. It's my first listen every day, and uh, keep it up. Thank you. There he goes. That's my guy, Raider West from the Midwest. Thank you for the call, my man, and you bring up a good point. As a matter of fact, it was a point I brought up on Friday's show, the 29th, right after the first round of the draft. I said there was not one guy drafted in the range of the Raiders at 22 or anyone even in the second round that made me feel like, man, I wish the Raiders had those picks back. (laughs) There just wasn't. You know, that was the reality of it. There was not any guy in the first round that I thought, oh, man, if the Raiders only had that first round pick, they'd have been able to get that guy and he would have been the difference maker. And even in the second round where there was a lot of talent that went, there was still nobody that made me say, damn, if they didn't have that pick, then, man, they could have had that guy and he would have put the team over the top. There wasn't that guy. I felt confident in number 17 which is Devontae Adams. That's who I feel very confident about, and I'm so glad the Raiders gave him or got him and was able to give him a nice little contract, and you saw the domino effect where Tyreek Hill ended up making his way out of the division too. So uh, that all had to go back to what the Raiders did with Devontae Adams and making that move. So thank you so much for that call. I do appreciate you. That was a a quick call right there. Let me go ahead and get uh, one more text in to close out the show. How about this text from Raider Infiltrator? He said, yo, what up, Q? It's been a minute. Hope all is well. So AFC West quarterback with the most pressure, 
It's got to be Carr. Let me explain. Least amount. Mahomes. Super consistency with coaching staff and system. Great success and no upgrade rumors. Justin Herbert, as we all know, is the golden child of the division. Has great wide receiver duo again. Rated top five in the NFL by most. Same system with gaining expectations to take the next step. Wilson, for all the reasons you've already stated, including new team, new staff, new teammates, traded for heavy draft capital, but for most of those reasons, will be granted a year or so to progress. Now, Carr isn't very far away from Russ, but money aside, the pressure this guy puts on himself to succeed for this franchise to not just make the playoffs, but hoist in Lombardi, and that, I believe, puts the most pressure. Not to mention Devontae Adams comes over now as a true number one with a combination of weapons, heading into a now-you-have-no-more-excuses type of season. Carr is also heading into his eighth season, five or six coaches, system change. How many seasons can he be on the prove-it-or-lose-it role to not only fans but media as well? He's had to prove to coach after coach, GMs through the years, and this might be the biggest one as he turns 31. Of course, just my opinion. Thanks, Q. Raider Nation up. That's from Raider Infiltrator. Thank you for that text. Great stuff. And I don't disagree with any of it. I really don't. And the reason why I still don't think that the pressure's on Carr is because how many people have already said, well, the Raiders have the fourth best team in the division. The Raiders have the fourth best quarterback in the division. He's basically playing with house money. They already think that he's going to lose. Everyone already thinks the Raiders. I mean, look, Vegas has the Raiders at like seven, eight wins this season. Like they're already saying that they're going to be the worst team. So if you go into it and no expectations are on you to be successful, matter of fact, the expectations are are on you to fail. How much pressure can you possibly have? Like if I go do a radio show and they say, oh, Q sucks. He's going to do a terrible show. I don't have any pressure. Now, if they say, hey, man, this dude's supposed to be a hot shot. He's got to go in here and show off. You know, like my very first ESPN national show I did, I did it with Jason Fitz. I was nervous. I was nervous because I was hyped up as, hey, man, this dude's super good. And I wanted to make sure that I lived up to that expectation. So that kind of, I put pressure on myself to make sure I did that. And, you know, it took me about 30 minutes to get comfortable. Then I was good to go. So my point is, you know, if if the expectations are, oh, this dude sucks and this team's going to suck, how is there pressure on you? How is there pressure on you? Everything you do is gravy. Just like what the Raiders did last season when they were expected to win six and a half games. Once they got to seven, it's like, okay, there ain't no pressure now. And oh, by the way, they had all that adversity. So there really wasn't any pressure because they weren't supposed to do anything. So I get what you're saying. You're not wrong. But I also think with the expectations being so low and with people counting them out before anything even gets started, I think that makes it even easier on them and Derek Carr in particular to go out there and operate. So thank you for that text. Great answer. Great response. Great breakdown. I do appreciate that. So that's all I got for today's show. Thank you so much for making this show your first listen each and every day. Remember, you can find the Lockdown Raiders podcast free and available on all platforms. Later on today, I'll be at the Raiders facility doing a a schedule breakdown show with Eddie Pascal, uh, maybe GM Dave Ziegler as well. So hopefully I'll be able to bring that to the table for you. And of course, we'll know the entire schedule. We'll be able to break that down as we close out the week really strong. So Tomorrow's show is going to be fun. We'll have calls and texts straight off that Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. And, of course, news and notes of the day. That's what it is. (laughs) Very excited. Talk to you later on, Raider Nation. Take care of yourself. Take care of your family. Love on your family. And most importantly, as always, just win, baby.